opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. Lisa Hansen is a Texas-based orientation and mobility specialist. The Denton Record Chronicle reports that Lisa started a recreational event called Camp Abilities with the Denton ISD, or Independent School District. Camp Abilities is a week-long sports camp for blind and visually impaired students. The camp is run in a partnership with Denton ISD and Texas Women's University. To tell us about the camp and some of the fun sports activities the students play are both Lisa Hansen and Texas Women's University representative, Dr. Lisa Silliman French. Hello, everyone. Hello. Ms. Hansen and Dr. Silliman French, tell us about yourselves and your roles in camp abilities. Okay, well, this is Lisa Hansen, and I am an orientation and mobility specialist in Texas. Like you said, I'm beginning my 27th year of teaching here in Denton, and I am the director of Camp Abilities Texas. Wow, that's a long time being an O&M specialist. Do you work individually with students one-on-one, or do you work with groups? It really depends on the lesson. Most of my time is spent one-on-one with my students, but on occasion when we do community-based instruction trips, I will have a couple kids with me at one time. That's very nice. Miss Hansen, well, well, Dr. Silliman French, let's learn about you first. Okay. I taught in a public school for 17 years, and I've been at Texas Women's University now for 14 years. And my role in Campabilities is to help Lisa facilitate or collaborate so we can work with all the university faculty and staff here so she can bring the students here on campus. We work with the coaches in volleyball, gymnastics, and softball, and then we have the students here on the dorm, so we work with a lot of people on campus to make this happen. Lots of sports. You make me want to play some sports, too. Bounce some balls, dribble, and shoot. These are big roles. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They sure are. Miss Hansen, how did you decide to start Camp Abilities right in the state of Texas? Well, actually, the founder of Campabilities, Dr. Lauren Lieberman, runs a camp out of Brockport, New York. That's the original Campabilities. And I got the pleasure of meeting her about 15 years ago and was invited to attend her camp. And I decided one of my professional goals was going to bring camp here to Texas. You know, my, I feel like my kids deserve the same opportunities. So that's kind of why I brought it here. I wanted my kids to experience camp. Mm-hmm. How long ago did you start the camp? And how did you actually speak out? Or what did it take to make it a reality? Well, I started, we just um, held our seventh year of Capabilities Texas. And basically, it, fundraising. Fundraising is a huge part of making camp happen. You can't do it without the money, the equipment, the people, the venues. Um, so I went to my district and talked to them about doing some fundraisers. And they were very supportive and um, got a hold of my children's caseworkers and talked with them about helping with the funding. And everybody was on board and thought it was a great idea. And then I got a hold of Lisa and suckered her in, and here we are. Seven years. That's a long time. Dr. Silliman French, how did Texas Women's University partner with Denton ISD to run the camp? 
So we have a federal funded grant and we have eight scholars each year that are getting earning their master's degree in adaptive physical education. So they help run that camp. So with the collaboration with Lisa and having the, our students be the coaches, that's how we bring it together. And then we also work with, like I said earlier, with so many people on this camp on this campus to make it happen. And because it's a course and it's a class and there's and the students are learning and it's an ex, a hands-on experience for them, we treat it as a class here at the university. So we have the opportunity to, to use different facilities, the uh, fit and recreation program, the Pioneer Hall here on campus, which allows us to use the pool, the weight room, gymnastics room. So it's really, that's how it all came together. When Once we got that grant, we are able to make it a class, an academic class. What seasons of the year does the camp operate? We we have the the camp every July, the hottest part of the summer here <laughs> in Texas. So we do it here in July. We strategically plan it so we do morning activities like tandem biking in the morning and everything's done super in, in the morning and then in the afternoon we're all inside with swimming and gymnastics and goalball. So it's quite nice. And you're giving the students plenty of water, right? <laughs> they are followed with water buckets and Gatorade buckets. <laughs> Fabulous. I, I used to love Gatorade as a kid. <laughs> who, who can sign up to participate in the camp? What age do they have to be? So students um, between the ages of 9 and 18 years old who are visually impaired, blind and or deafblind, um, are eligible to come to camp. Ms. Hansen, Yes, sir. Before you guys start playing any sports in the camps, do you do any special skill building activities or exercises or warm ups? As far as before camp starts? Before, uh, before, but yeah, before, when you start each day of camp. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I misunderstood you. The, each camp has specialists assigned to it. So our specialists come from across the country. Um, they are adapted physical education teachers that come in and they do begin the activities with stretching and warm-ups, um, talking about what they're about to learn, talking about the sports. Um, so there is a lot of, of pre-prep work before sports are actually started. So you, as you mentioned, the camp is held at the C.H. Collins Athletic Complex parking lot in Texas Women's University. Dr. Silliman French, why do you think it's important for Texas Women's University and the Denton ISD to collaborate on the camp? I think the biggest word is collaboration, number one, and, and teamwork, and the, and the focus is going to be our athletes with visual impairments, and it just it's a nice awareness to bring uh, more parents they can get involved and the more collaboration we do the more awareness the more athletes that we'll get for this camp and another thing is learning uh, our, our students learn to work hands-on with athletes with visual impairments and without that when they go out in the field on their own they won't they wouldn't have that experience so that is a really important for our students here at Texas Women's University so I think the biggest the nicest word is the collaboration and the support from each program, the, the ISD and the university. It's just really important, that hands-on experience is really important. And it's important for the athletes with visual impairments too, to, tr to work with us and to teach us. And teach how you can better serve them. Absolutely, yes. Even any aspect of life. Yes. The, the, this year, the camp hosted almost 20 kids from Texas? Yes. Tell us about some of these athletes. Well, we had kid, We had a pretty young camp this year. We had several fresh nine-year-olds that had not attended camp before. 
Um, we've got several kids that come back to camp every year. We've got kids, this was their first year of camp. Um, I had a young man who's been to camp every year since we started and he actually aged out this year. So he's, he's always been with us. Um, kids from all over Texas, um, low vision to functionally blind ch children, all kinds of athletic ability and talent. Just, just a great group. How do you teach them to play each of the sports? Well, as I mentioned earlier, um, I bring in specialists, adaptive PE specialists. I mean, like in terms of uh, like sort of playing strategies, like rules. I mean, I mean, how, I mean like I understand you guys do beat baseball. Mm -hmm. You teach them to run across the bases. And how do you teach them to swim laps of the pool? So we, we teach them how to run either with a, a human guide, with a tether, with just some auditory um, prompts, things like it just depends on what the student needs. We really, we really focus on each individual student and try to teach to their ability or what works for them. Um, in the pool, same thing. We'll have auditory cues. We have coaches. The kids have a one-on-one -on -one coach that so they're never alone. They've always got somebody there, you know, within close proximity. To maintain their safety and our teachers give actual swim lessons and they're taught swim lessons just like any other kid is taught we may use some adapted equipment or devices but basically they're taught just like all of all any other kids i see how that works so so there's always some coach or aid or assistant there absolutely correct each athlete we call our campers athletes and each athlete is paired one-on-one -on -one all week long with a coach who are these master students and other individuals who, who are getting college credit? Now, let's get into one of the sports, beat baseball. I've talked a little bit about this on my show with another guest, but how is beat baseball different from regular baseball? And how is it adapted for the blind and visually impaired? Okay. So in beat baseball, there's two bases. There's first base and there's third base. Um, the bases are auditory, so they'll beep, make sounds, and the, the ball is also auditory, and it will produce a different type of sound. And when the student hits the ball, whether it be a live pitch or off of a tee, one of the bases, the bases will be activated, and it's their job to localize and figure out which base is activated and run toward that base. Um, the object is for that, the batter to get to the base before the fielder fields the ball. If the batter reaches there before the ball's fielded, that's considered a run. So it's it's different as we don't run around four bases. We don't go home for a second, third, back to home. We just make it to one base, and a, and a run is scored that way. I see. And you got this baseball that beeps, right? Absolutely. And it beeps far and long, and, and short distances. Correct. And you'll Correct. know um, if the if the ball is coming straight at you when it beeps closer. Exactly. And we also have spotters on the field to maintain safety of our athletes. So if it looks like there may be a collision or a ball hit or hurt, you know, we don't want that to happen. So we do maintain spotters on the field to make sure everybody stays safe and can call out, you know, duck or run, whatever, just to make sure our kiddos stay safe. Oh, fantastic. Um, now, I understand the coaches are also Texas Women's University undergraduate and graduate students. Dr. Silliman French, how do you train the coaches? I understand that comes in a form of a college course. Yes, we start out with 
uh, throughout the year, we start learning about fact sheets about, and there are fact sheets online that we pull up through our state organization. And we start learning about the activities you can do, contraindicated activities. So they just start, we start educating them that way. We put them out in the public school so there's, they can get their hands on experience with children with visual impairments. Then Lisa will come in and work with the, our students and start talking to them about them and bringing their awareness level up so they understand how to work with the students. They also take a class on disability sports so they learn how to play the sports, be baseball, goalball, so they understand specifically how to play these sports. And then it comes together when we, we you know, we apply it when the, when the athletes come here. So we do a lot of not, you know, knowledge-based training. Uh, uh, Lisa will come in. We do. Um, they watch YouTube's and how to play the sports. They do some hands-on, and then they apply it when the athletes get here. And they must take final exams for these things, right? <laughs> Their final exam is to survive the camp. That's how they make it through that class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like survive and don't get injured. And That's correct. <laughs> okay. We don't ask much. <laughs> uh, um. Which states have you hired volunteers from? I understand that you've got volunteers from all over the, all over the U.S. We do. So the majority of my specialists come from Maryland, New York, New Jersey, Utah, several of them from right here in Texas. Um, but I, I try to find the best. And I think I've done a really good job at that. That's great. You've hired uh, volunteers from Delaware, New Jersey, and Utah. That's amazing. Ms. Hansen, what happens at the end of the camp? We sleep for about a week. <laughs> but, so anyway, typically, I mean, that's my honest answer. But um, typically at the end of the camp, we'll have a closing ceremonies um, where the parents will come in and we get to brag about their, their athletes and talk about all the wonderful things they've done for the week. Um, they also, each student also goes home with an assessment. So that assessment will cover all of the sports that they participated in. It will cover some expanded core curriculum areas. And we also touch on some O&M skills because this is a new environment for all the kids. So they're put in some situations that they may not have um, been in before. So we're able to give a little feedback on some O&M skills and abilities also. That's really good. And, and that report can also just remind them of their uh, experience at camp abilities when they get older. And and, yeah, exactly. And it reminds everybody else how capable they really are. Now, is the assessment also sent to the kids as mobility, vision, and physical education teachers? It is sent home with the parent um, and with the understanding that we do want them to hand it out to everybody. Take it to their ARD meetings, their IEP meetings. Um, when they, if they start a new school and go meet teachers, take it to anybody and everybody that will look at it so that everyone knows how capable their student is. That's wonderful. What have other people said about camp abilities? Do they like it? I've heard nothing but positive feedback, so I'm hoping that's, yes, they like it. <laughs> okay. I always get returning volunteers. Um, Any suggestions for improvement they've given? Um, maybe make it not so hot, but that's not something I can control really. <laughs> One thing that we improved this year that, that we liked is we add the, added the climbing wall and that, that's new to us. So we added that as part of a, a sporting event and the students 
the athletes, sorry, the athletes just really enjoyed that. And that was a, a big hit. We're, so we were actually looking for a little bit more indoor sporting events and that came through quite nicely. Do you get them into special rock climbing shoes and harnesses and helmets for that? We do. Yes, we absolutely do. And actually we had a little bit of a challenge because the gymnasium next door was really loud. So our students had to really focus on the belayer so that they could hear how to guide them up the wall. So that was a nice challenge for everyone. And we were very successful at it. So we're really happy about that at that addition to our camp. That's good. Maybe you two can share with our audience a little bit where they might learn more about camp abilities. So I'll start with the public school because as an adapt as a past adaptive physical educator and here at the university as my focus area is in adaptive physical education, it's really important that we parents talk to if they have a child with visual impairments and or a child with a disability in general, need to talk to their physical education teacher and or adapted physical education teacher. Because that's where, that's our job in the public schools to make sure we're advocates for our students and or athletes for these sporting events. So that's really important that the, that communication is there. And then Lisa, you want to add? Well, my best answer is Google capabilities and you will find out how many there truly are internationally. Um, each camp, I believe, has, has its own website. So just doing a search for capabilities is going to open up a big old can of worms. It'll be wonderful. There will yeah, be many pages to look at. <laughs> There's lots of information to share. Probably a million pages of results. <laughs> exactly. But if there's one particular camp you're looking at, for instance, Google Camp Abilities Texas, it's going to pull you to our website or Brockport or Alaska or Arizona. They're just, if you want specific camps, then just be more specific in your search. We know you're talking about the rock climbing wall. What, uh, what else is going to be at next year's Camp Abilities one year from now? We are hoping to add a sport called five-a-side soccer which is a sport that it's adapted and modified for those with a visual impairment. So that's our next new goal for next year is to add a new sport. Mm, that that's very amazing. Um, uh, how, so how many kids, so has the attendance of camp abilities grown in recent years and how many attended this, this recent one? I, I'm going to start with that answer and Lisa can finish it up. We have, we have so many people that want to help out with it. We don't have enough um, people to help to run it. It's gotten, it can get really big. If we allowed it, we could probably have 30, 35, 40 athletes, but we can't because of the, we have, it's based on the number of students that we have here at the university, as well as the number of volunteers. So it's all based on that. So that's really, and Lisa can add a little bit more to that. No, I think that's a perfect answer. We're, we're limited sometimes by the amount of help we get. We always have a waiting list of athletes that want to join us at camp. Okay. Um, so when they get on the waiting list, how do they know when they get in? I will either call them or send them an email and let them know. Um, and at the beginning, because we limit, we, won't, we will not take more than 30 athletes. So when those first 30 are filled, I will go ahead and, and as soon as I can let those on the waiting list know this is where you are here's your position however if and when a spot becomes available we will try to give you at least two weeks notice so that you can plan accordingly for your summer 
um, but give you two weeks notice to say we have a spot open are you interested and let them decide if they'll be able to make it at that point and, and in the meantime Lisa and I have to communicate starting in January to look at the enrollment of the class so I have undergraduate and graduate students so I have both so we start we communicate all spring semester how many students do you have how many students do you have so that goes back and forth so we know how many we can take before July and okay. one thing I forgot to mention Brian we also um, are under contract with Stephen F Austin State University in oh, yeah. East Texas mm -hmm. and we accept four orientation and mobility students each year and they travel around to four different camps in the summer and that's considered their internship. So we always have O&M specialists on that camp also to help out. What about, um, so do the students uh, who participate in the camp, are they just from the Denton area? Are they from the Dallas area? Are they all over Texas or do they, any of them ever come all over the country? Just um, we, the answer is yes. <laughs> They're from all over the country and most of them are, in our area because they're Lisa's grad students. Um, but we do have some that come back that have, have graduated college, moved off, become employed elsewhere and come back to volunteer. And this year we did have um, a volunteer come in from New Jersey to, to help us with camp. You know, a lot of times our students will graduate and then they would still want to come back. And we've had several students, a fellow came back from Oregon, uh, mm -hmm. another young lady came back from California because they like this camp so much. Everybody, is there anything else that you, you both would like to add? We just really appreciate you helping us get the word out because it's a really nice program for everybody. Yeah, I would, I would say the same thing. Thank you for helping us get the word out. Glad I could. You both are an inspiration to us, all working to speak out for the blind and visually impaired who want to play sports. We appreciate your devotion and hope that you continue and grow camp abilities. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having us. Thank you. Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website at speakingoutfortheblind.weekly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org and my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says home speaking out for the blind where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to speaking out for the blind shows ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for, for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community.
how do we know the best choices to make? And when we look back over our lives, how do we know the choices that have most influenced us from who we have been to who we are today? Join me as my guests and I explore defining moments from there to here on the Inside Track. Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream. I'm Debbie Hazelton. California, Florida, Iowa, Texas, guide dog users, students, IT professionals, government employees. The American Council of the Blind has members in all 50 states and is actively engaged in a wide variety of activities. We advocate for the education, employment, and social inclusion of all blind and visually impaired Americans. We publish a monthly magazine. We hold an annual conference and convention and operate a multi-channel internet radio station. Check us out at acb.org. Together, we can do anything. NASCAR champion Bobby Levani here with my brother Terry and my nephew Justin. You know, every sport has its essential safety gear. For racing, we wear helmets, fire retardant suits, and no mex gloves. For fishing, waterfowl hunting, and boating, we wear life jackets. After an intense race, there's nothing more relaxing than bass fishing or a little duck hunting on the lake. But we're the first ones to tell you, on the track or on the water, accidents happen fast. In a crash, there's no time to put on a helmet. And when a boater capsizes or is thrown from the boat, there's rarely time to reach a stowed life jacket. But today's life jackets are lightweight and comfortable. Fishing or hunting, they don't get in your way. That's why you won't catch a Levani on the water without a life jacket. Don't let us catch you either. Remember, you're in command. Boat safely. This message brought to you by the United States Coast Guard. For more information on boating safety, visit www.uscgboating.org. You're listening to acbradio.org. Connecting the blind community around the world. ACB Radio.